and welcome to Genderfuck, the sexual health and wellbeing podcast run by trans people and for trans people. I'm your host, Dan Griffiths. And I'm Oliver Ellis. Uh, welcome to the very first episode of our podcast. Uh, today we'll be talking about consent. Uh, we chose consent because, you know, it's our first episode and it kind of is the first thing that you need for sex. There's lots of different ways to have sex, but the one thing that they all have in common is that you need consent. So we just wanted to start it off by talking about what we actually mean by consent. And consent is really just an agreement between participants to engage in any kind of activity, really. But for the purposes of this podcast, we'll mostly be talking about sexual activity. This can be just like the way that it's kind of taught in schools and stuff like that is like really important because we kind of, mm-hmm. when we were talking about making this episode, we realized that we never really got taught consent and it's never really something that's like super explicitly spoken about especially when you're like growing up yeah yeah not at all i mean i i was thinking back to you know the sex ed i had in school and i don't know it felt like a lot of sex ed at least for me was like convincing people not to have sex rather than like giving them the tools that they need um and yeah i mean i don't think there was any discussion of consent um I think the only thing relatively close to consent we talked about was like the whole just say no thing in regards to drugs. But again, there was like no harm reduction. There was like kind of a dismissal of pressure and other factors on things like sex and drugs and just sort of they were putting the responsibility on one person to just say no. And obviously that is good for people to know that they can always say no to something like drugs or sex. But like as adults, we know that it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, And I think the nuances of sex and consent are just never really taught to young people. Yeah, for sure. And especially when like people are first starting having like a sexual encounter and stuff, like especially in your like in your adolescence, like if you're not really taught how to kind of communicate with your partner properly, how are you supposed to like advocate for your own body and your own wellness? And like, yeah. If you can't do that, then you can't. I don't really think you can really have the tool set to kind of like engage in like sex and like avoid things like unintended pregnancy and STIs and stuff like that, which is like obviously super common with people when they don't really have a good sex education. Yeah, absolutely. Like sex education is such a fundamental thing. Um, And it really is a shame that so many people don't get, I don't know, adequate, inclusive just sort of realistic sex ed i think that is the biggest thing is that people aren't realistic about you know what teenagers are doing um and so you know trying to make them scared of it rather than actually saying you know it's your choice here are things that you can do to you know be safer yeah exactly because you're never gonna stop teenagers having sex like that's just not gonna happen Uh um yeah once teachers realize that i think it'll be a lot better (laughs) i know but like when you teach consent, like, it shouldn't even just be kind of, like, just sexual stuff. Like, it should start, like, super early when, like, small. Like, if, like, you have, yeah. like, a parent teaching you that, like, if your aunt or uncle wants to hug you but you don't want to hug them, you can say no and then have, like, the parent advocate for them because, like, usually if a kid does that, they're going to be met with, like, the aunt or uncle or, like, whoever being like, oh, come on, just, like, give me a hug. And then if the kid doesn't want to do that, then they're going to feel, like, super pressured into it which kind of like forms i guess like a bit of a script on how things like that and like personal touch and stuff should be throughout like the rest of your life yeah no absolutely i mean i think teaching like kids that they you know can have boundaries um you know is a big part in realizing that they do have control of their own bodies and you're so right like that's such a big thing of like kids not maybe not wanting a hug or a kiss from their extended family and that's you know thought of like 
I don't know, it's seen as this weird thing when it's like, actually, this kid might just, they might just not want that. And that's absolutely okay. Like, we need to treat kids as they, you know, can make their own choices to a certain degree, um, which definitely does not happen. So I, I totally agree that like integrating consent is part of just sort of any education around well-being, um, like from the start of a kid's education is super important. Uh, I have some experience teaching sex ed to sort of teenagers in schools. And uh, another big thing um, surrounding consent is that it applies to everyone, like regardless of gender or sexuality. Um, a big thing, I think, when you're actually talking to young people is like acknowledging different types of relationships, different types of sex, and also like the different pressures that might apply to people um, you know, who have different identities. Everyone like is allowed to have boundaries. Everyone has ownership of their own body. And that's really important for people to know. And they can actually like advocate for themselves, as you were saying. Yeah. And I think it's definitely like really important to kind of go through how, like what kind of models are of, of consent are like really resonate with us as people who are like obviously really interested in sexual health <laughs> and wellness and stuff like that. Um, and then also kind of go through how like practically how can people use these in their day-to-day -day life because it's one of my pet peeves personally is when people are like oh just communicate with someone and then never kind of explain how you should communicate mm. with that because like people <laughs> yeah. grow up with different environments of like how they communicate with like their friends and their peers and like their family and stuff like that which might make it difficult for them to really have much of a toolbox in the future for when they need to have difficult conversations or how to like kind of communicate their needs so they can't do that properly unless you kind mm -hmm. of like help them along and like give them some kind of like framework i guess which i think is like a really important thing yeah absolutely i mean i think that is such a thing in like i don't know any kind of education of being like oh communication is key you know when we talk about you know sex and relationships especially but if no one's actually talking about that and what that means in practice like it's not really helpful because you can say communicate but you know, a lot of people don't really understand what that means because they've never been taught it. And they've also just like never seen it been done well, you know, in like media or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. So one of like the sort of frameworks that I really like and that I've used when teaching in schools um, is the FRIES acronym. Um, and so FRIES is just like, you know, five letters that correspond with words um, to do with consent. So um, F stands for freely given. Um, which basically just means, you know, no coercion, you know, consent has to be given freely, there can't be, you know, other sort of pressures that come into it, um, you know, either verbally or like situationally. Um, mm -hmm. R stands for reversible, which means you can always, you know, take back that consent, um, whether it's, you know, if you say, oh, like, we can have sex later, and then, you know, later that day, think, oh, no, I don't actually want to do that. Or if you're like, in the act, you can still say, can we stop? Like, you can always go back and say that you don't want to do things anymore. Yeah, for sure. I think like, that one's an especially important one, because I think people mm -hmm. kind of have this perception that, like, you consent once at the start, you have a verbal, like, yes, and then, like, after that, people are kind of, like, allowed to do whatever they want. And it's like, obviously, like, no. Like, yeah, like, you need to kind of also check in on the person, um, mm -hmm. like, multiple times, I think, during, like, a scene or during, like, a sexual act or something, and just, mm -hmm. like, check that they're okay especially if it's like a kind of heavier kind of like psychological like physically taxing like bdsm scene or something like it's really important to make sure that it gets explicitly clear that like consent can be revoked at like any point mm -hmm. but like obviously it's as important in like any kind of vanilla sex and stuff as well yeah no for sure i think just like 
having consent that is ongoing is such a good thing to practice. Mm-hmm. The next letter is I for informed. So basically just, you know, that all parties who are interacting have all the information. They know what's happening, like, you know, during the sex act. They know sort of what's going on. Um, and E stands for enthusiastic. So this is one that I don't usually see when talking about consent, but I think is really important um, mm-hmm. because I think, you know, if you ask someone if they want to do something and they say, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, that's maybe a sign that they're not entirely wanting to do it, but they're maybe feeling some pressure. So I think yeah. like recognizing that having some enthusiasm, you know, we want you to be excited about this. Like that is what's going to make sex good as well. We want people to both actually want to, to do what's happening. Um, so I think enthusiasm is a really important part of it as well. Yeah, especially because like uh, the example that you just gave, like you technically said yes. So like you're like, like even though like the way that you were saying it obviously like indicated that like you weren't really mm-hmm. wanting that like yeah giving people just like the advice of just like look for a yes like you still technically said yes there but it was mm-hmm. not enthusiastic like at at all yeah yeah and there's so much like there are you know nonverbal signals or like the way you say things and maybe you know in that situation maybe you just need a oh are you sure and then that person either says you know what no yeah actually I I am sure or they say oh, you know, no, I'm not really feeling it right now. Can we do something else? And so I think, you know, kind of going back to like the whole reversible thing, like checking in, you know, continuing to check in with your partner, especially if they don't maybe seem enthusiastic. Like you want Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're communicating and it's often a lot more complicated than just a yes or a no. Yeah, for sure. Um, And the last of the acronym is specific. So Mm -hmm. the S stands for specific. This is another one of my favorite ones. Um, This kind of refers to, you know, setting boundaries, but also knowing that, you know, consent for one sex sex act doesn't necessarily mean consent for other sex acts. So I think Mm -hmm. we see, especially in like TV and porn, it's like even, you know, if they talk about consent, it's usually like once and it just isn't really talked about what they actually mean by that. Um, Because, you know, some people might not be on the same page on like what constitutes sex as well. You know, there's lots of different ways to have sex you know we can have like penetrative sex oral sex or like lots of different things and specific kind of refers to the fact that if you give consent to one of those things it doesn't mean you're just giving consent to everything you can still have boundaries and you can still want to do something but not be comfortable doing something else yeah for sure like i feel like there's so many examples of that kind of thing just going horribly wrong especially on like social Mm -hmm. media kind of like i kind of just see it from like typical kind of like dude bros like frat house (laughs) guys where they're like oh well like she wanted to like she gave me a blowjob why wouldn't she let me do anything else it's like maybe she just didn't want to like so it's like really important to kind of make that kind of thing explicitly clear from like the get-go and like throughout the act as well Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um and so i feel like all of these things all these you know this fries acronym you know, not only is it ensuring that you have consent, but it's also just like going to make your sex life better. You know, if you're thinking about all these things before you have sex, you know, it's going to make it things better for both partners. It's going to make you, you know, worry about it less. Um, And I feel like that is a big thing about any kind of consent is that like, we're talking about sexual health and well-being. It's so much more than just like, is there consent? Yes or no? You know, this this whole spectrum of things that's actually going to make things, you know, better for everyone involved. Yeah, for sure. And then, so the acronym that I really like is RAC, because I'm kind of, I'm always in the mindset of like, vanilla people could learn so much about like sex from people who are in like the BDSM scene. And then I always Mm. think like there's so much that like monogamous people could learn from kind of polyamorous dynamics and stuff like that, even though I'm personally not 
polyamorous or anything myself mm. but like so that stands for risk aware consensual kink and it's basically the fact that like if you're going to engage in any kind of like kink activity be it like light bondage to like full ass like sub master dynamics like edgier stuff like blood and knife play and stuff like no matter what kind of thing you're going into you should know the risks like the psychological and the physical risks that could kind of go along with that and make sure you like fully understand like the potential dangers and like kind of any other safety me- like measures that you need to kind of take into account so like if you're kind of doing wax play or something that has like candles like maybe have like a little fire extinguisher next to the bed yeah. <laughs> because bedding is very flammable <laughs> and just like obviously ha- like making sure everyone is enthusiastically consenting to that as well because obviously not everyone wants to do bdsm stuff and like i think people also just need to be aware like when they're kind of researching any kind of kink that they maybe like watch porn about and they are like it kind of sparks a bit of an interest in them um instead of just kind of taking what you know about that kink from porn and then just kind of rolling with it like i think i i think a lot of people kind of did that with choking um Mm. actually go and research what are the potential dangers like for reputable sources like sex educators who are in the bdsm scene and stuff like that like because i don't think a lot of people are really like aware of kind of stuff like how those cheap metal handcuffs and stuff can get locked in that little like area between your wrist and your hand and like cause nerve damage like and people might not know kind of what that nerve damage feels like like a kind of pins and needles sensation and stuff and it's like if you're feeling that then like communicate to your partner be like can we take a break because i don't feel like breaking my nerves yeah Um, absolutely that like research point is so important as well because i think there is this assumption that like sex has to come naturally and even like Mm -hmm you know, kink and stuff like that, it sort of has to be this natural progression and people are supposed to just sort of immediately know about it, which obviously doesn't make sense when you think about it because, you know, stuff like that, you know, whether it's like BDSM or any kind of kink, I mean, that takes practice, it takes knowledge, especially to do it safely, like you were saying. And so like, there's no shame in just like doing a quick Google and finding some stuff out, you know, it's going to make things a lot safer for, you know, everyone involved. There are like some software, it's like, you can kind of, I don't know, there are some scenes where it's more edgy, so they could have like a lot more kind of like psychological damage, I guess, where it's like consensual non-consent or like some forms Mm -hmm. of humiliation or like stuff like that. Like that means a lot of negotiation and like full consent and kind of discussion around what's going to happen just because it's a lot edgier and could kind of could really hurt someone. Like obviously any kind of sexual act could hurt anyone if it goes wrong, but like those ones play with some very kind of varsity level topics and it's you really need to kind of do a big deep dive into that kind of thing and also like as you were saying with um consent being specific like that's also true for uh bdsm stuff as well because i think people kind of assume that like with a dom sub dynamic or something like that like the dom just does like whatever they want to do um but basically like say you've got someone tied up or something you can't just like assume because that person is in that like this scene that they would want to do something like choking for example Mm -hmm. because i've had personal experience of being choked without my consent and i didn't like it because like I did tell them the next day, but I was basically just there, like, you shouldn't kind of, like, assume that someone's into that, because one, like, you're playing with breath, which could go really wrong if you don't really know how to choke someone, like, say, if someone's, Mm -hmm. like, crushing on, like, the front of your neck or something like that, 
uh, which obviously don't do because that's where you're like <laughs> trickier and stuff like that is and you could crush that um and then like it could also if someone has like a history of like sexual assault or like something really traumatic like that could really like bring up some just like real bad feelings so like it's just no matter what you're doing make sure you fully have a conversation and like consent with someone about like everything that's happening yeah totally um I feel like you're like the kink expert of our podcast. So do you have do you have any <laughs> tips on <laughs> if you will take that title? Um, <laughs> do you have any sort of tips on like what that looks like? I know when we talk about kink, um, like having safe words is a big part of that. Um, is there any other things that you would want to say as like, I don't know, just like a sort of starter tips on if you're trying to negotiate these things with your partner? Yeah, so I would say do stuff like, I guess, like kind of research together, like kind of share information that you find about the kink, um, kind of safety guidelines, stuff like that, kind of spend time together kind of figuring this stuff out. Um, And then also just kind of like implement stuff like a safe word that both of you can use. And also like, depending on what kind of thing you're doing, also do kind of like verbal, non-verbal things as well. So it's like if someone's gagged or something like that, they obviously can't verbally communicate to you. So you could kind of do, I don't know, maybe a series of hums that wouldn't come very naturally. Or like if they are able to use their hands, like if they tap on the bed or like tap on your body or something, like a certain amount of times, like two taps could mean like pause and then maybe like four taps or three taps or whatever could mean like stop. No, yeah, that's that's totally good um, advice. I think like, you know, it just sort of shows that like there's always ways to have ongoing consent, um, you know, no matter what the sort of capability of the person is at that moment, like there's always things you can do. And it's important to negotiate those ahead of time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think even just like, you know, knowing yourself and knowing your partner and knowing whoever you're having sex with, like knowing your sort of own strengths and what you're able to do. Um, you know, I've had people ask like, oh, what if I'm not good at reading nonverbal signals? And so if you're not good at reading nonverbal signals, then maybe sort of stick to the verbal side of things, ask for consent, you know, just like put yourself in the situations where like you feel like you're, you know, fully able to both like show your own consent and how you're feeling, but also like ask your partner, you know, just sort of read the situation and kind of figuring out beforehand is a really good way to to make everyone feel comfortable, I think. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like with kind of any kind of human communication and stuff like that, there's no truly one way to go about this. Like, obviously, we're kind of mm-hmm. providing some nice like, little guidelines and stuff like that. But it's like you can tailor these things that make sense for kind of how you interact with kind of social communication if you're like neurodivergent or something and you find it really difficult mm-hmm. to understand certain like physical, like verbal cues and stuff like that, then you can kind of play around and see what kind of things are easier for you if it's like being super explicit being like yes i like this kind of a thing or like Mm -hmm. instead of kind of being like oh yeah like this is fine like that could be quite ambiguous and quite difficult for someone to understand what that maybe means so just kind of having a bit of again like kind of going through that having a conversation with the person about kind of what you find easy to read what you find more difficult to read so you can both kind of like figure out a solution that works best for both of you yeah for sure i've also got Mm -hmm. some this is again kind of i think more of kink and bdsm thing i don't really know Mm -hmm. how often kind of like subspace and dom space really happen in more vanilla dynamics i kind of see it all come up when it's talking about like ds relationships and stuff like that but like Mm -hmm. that's another thing where it's like an individual could really find it difficult to communicate if they're in a subspace and they're that's kind of typically characterized by like 
a very floaty head feeling and like very difficult to verbalize what you're thinking. That's typically just like a endorphins brain chemical thing kind of going on. Um, And that would be like a really good application for stuff like um, the traffic light system or kind of giving someone like a sort of like options instead of kind of having like an open-ended question kind of asking like what do you want to do like if you're in like a headspace where you can't really think right now like there's a million possibilities that could be happening there but then it's like red yellow or green which which would mean like stop pause go like continue or kind of would you like me to stop or would you like five more hits or something like that like giving people kind of these options depending on kind of where they're at in the headspace would also be like a really good thing to do in my opinion yeah i love that i think the traffic light you know system is really good i actually um i that was done in like a zoom meeting that i was in the other day of um it was kind of a social event on zoom and they asked people to put um you know the color in their name like green if they if they're like yeah i'm happy to chat you can call on me we can have a conversation yellow if it's if they were a bit more hesitant but they were still maybe wanting to interact and then red if they you know didn't want to talk or didn't want to be called on which i thought was so cool because it's like you know i think whenever we're catering to people's comforts it just makes it a better situation for everyone whether we're talking about like you know like bdsm and like sags or just like any social situation i think like the idea that we're actually trying to make the people who we're interacting with comfortable is like a good sort of thing to be following yeah for sure because i feel like there's so many times especially because like obviously the past year all of my classes Mm -hmm. have been online and stuff like that and there have just been days where i just didn't want to (laughs) i just didn't want to take part in the class at all but i obviously had to be there um Mm -hmm. and then you just get like called on and you're just like i really just don't want to do this right now but like (laughs) So it's just like, I feel like implementing that kind of system, like all the time is just like, such a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even thinking back to when we were like, at the beginning of this podcast, when we were talking about, you know, like, a child getting a hug from a relative, like, you know, even a parent asking a young child, like, do you feel like green, yellow or red right now, you know, just try to see like, what headspace they're in, how they're feeling. I think stuff like that could be really useful. I mean, to people of all ages to kind of like be able to express those emotions, because especially for something, you know, like sex where it's quite intimate, you might might be feeling vulnerable. Um, Having something like that is a bit more easily, you know, quantifiable than whatever you're actually feeling, you know, in the moment. Yeah, for sure. And it's also just like something that like, I remember using like the traffic light system for like other things in like first school and stuff like that and it's obviously something that's like really like culturally relevant mm. so it's just like a really easy way for people to kind of like check in on people which i think is just it's the simpler you can make things the better i think yeah another thing that also is important to do with consent is if people have taken any kind of substance or anything before mm-hmm. um has obviously kind of if someone's blackout drunk and they're saying they want to have sex and you're like sober or pretty much sober and you're more so in the control in the situation like obviously don't engage in that mm-hmm. situation because then yeah. they can't provide full informed consent because they are inebriated um but there are also some situations because there are some people who have kind of like a kink around kind of intoxicated sex and stuff like that where they are prior to getting intoxicated and obviously they don't get so intoxicated that they're like blackout drunk um 
usually i'm not going to speak for everyone um mm. <laughs> but like that's kind of giving prior informed consent and then they can also kind of like give consent before like it is like a weird gray area but it's like if everyone's kind of consenting yeah no it's important to talk about those gray areas as well because um you know and again when i've when i've taught in schools we have to say like under the law you cannot consent when you're under the influence of drugs or alcohol um and some people you know have questions about that like oh if i'm on a night out and i'm drunk and my you know my partner's there and they're also drunk and we have sex like is that a, a breach of consent you know people have questions like that where it's like it doesn't necessarily mean there's not consent just because people are under the influence, but it's obviously like an extra consideration. And if there's any sort of, you know, imbalance, if someone's sober and someone else isn't, that is something more to worry about, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I think like another interesting thing to kind of talk about would be like media depictions of consent, because mm. uh, as we said earlier, like sex education really does kind of fail people a lot of the time to do with kind of yeah. things to do with consent and a lot of the time if someone isn't taught something by like a reputable source they'll probably see it in pop culture somewhere especially stuff to mm. do with sex um but yeah absolutely i really rarely see very good examples of consent being given in media this is probably mostly because the idea of people kind of verbalizing their consent being like yes i want to do this and doing all of these things that we're saying about like kind of checking in and stuff that kind of breaks this fantasy that people have about kind of someone taking you and like using you and kind of all of this kind of stuff that's really in like a fantasy realm which obviously can happen in real life but there's a lot more discussion that kind of goes into those dynamics than these media depictions kind of show um i think one of the worst examples that i've ever seen <laughs> is 365 days it's just like it's kind of like 50 shades of gray but somehow even worse uh, <laughs> wow. um that's hard to believe um but it just kind of fall into this category of like token resistance which is basically this thing where like it happens a lot in kind of porn and these kind of media depictions of someone really pursuing someone the other person being like nah I don't I'm not that into you until they're kind of pushed and coerced so much that they finally kind of give in which obviously is not a good practice of consent and like this entire film was basically just like this guy kept being like I'm not going to do anything you don't want me to do and then he continually does stuff that she doesn't want him to do like there was one scene where like he had her tied up to a, like a four post bed and then forced her to watch another woman give him a blowjob and like she didn't want to do that and then for some reason i don't know what like switched in the movie and then suddenly they were on a boat and like she was consenting to all these like sexual activities even though throughout the entire thing she was just like i don't want this which was like a really weird <laughs> like it yeah, was just really so, weird yeah it's such a weird thing and just i mean it is a total fantasy like you were saying because it doesn't seem realistic at all like if someone continuously does does not like someone does not want to have sex with them like making them do things that they don't want to do is not how we are going to like win them over like it just it just doesn't really happen it's yeah, yeah it's a very frustrating trope it also just kind of reminds me of those kind of like TikTok, YouTube, like alpha male kind of guys where they're uh. kind of, you know, where they're just kind of acting like if you just kind of like push a woman like enough, then she'll have sex with you and then you can just kind of like dump her and then go off to the next one because that's what an alpha does apparently. Oh, um, yikes. <laughs> even that's not 
alpha dynamics are not a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, like, I just feel like another thing that I always really notice in these films to do with kind of consent is this kind of, like, trope of, like, this good girl, like, very virginal, kind of is very naive. And then this very, like, domineering, like, aggressive guy who is wildly successful somehow, but, like, has all this sex to kind of, like, combat his tragic past. And he it's, like, this weird, like, kind of push and pull between, like, the two of mm. them until, like, she finally gives in to the guy's desires. Which I just think is, like, a really bad message to be, like, teaching yeah. to people. Like, just, yeah, like, just because, like, someone has, like, a lot of money and is, like, often these guys are like conventionally attractive so mm. it's like that thing where it's like if christian gray from like 50 shades of gray was like not very conventionally attractive and didn't have millions of pounds then uh what's her name the girl from the film <laughs> she's irrelevant to me <laughs> i don't even know her name but like probably wouldn't have kind of reacted the same way if he wasn't how the character was kind of as this tall dark and handsome like ideal type which is just yeah. like a, obviously again a really bad message to be pushing onto people her name is anastasia Steele, i believe i just That's i've had to look it up on imdb i, was I like, haven't I actually no seen idea. the movie <laughs> <laughs> it has 4.1 out of 10 stars on imdb just as a as a fun fact <laughs> i'm so unsurprised yeah. by that yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it's really, I mean, it's hard to find, like, good examples of consent. I was honestly kind of drawing a blank when I was trying to think of some. Um, the only the only thing I can kind of think of, I don't even know if there really was any demonstrations of consent in sex education, like the Netflix mm -hmm. show. But like, yeah, that was that was what I was going to mention as like something that, um, you know, deals with the nuances of sex quite well, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited for the new season. Me too. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. It's it's just good to like have a, a bit more of an honest show about sex. Um, and it's been a while since I've watched the first couple of seasons, but um, uh, if I remember correctly, there was a bit more talk about consent than in probably any other show I've seen anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you would kind of hope that from like a show called Sex Education. But yeah, like, yeah. The way that would. they kind of go about these things, because you could, like, if you looked at Big Mouth or something like that, like that's... Mm -hmm kind of supposedly supposed to be kind of like a real look at like adolescent sexual health and yeah that kind of thing but the way that they kind of go about things often to me is like very clumsily done it's not mm. very like affirming to people like there was a whole debacle where they kind of like they had to apologize for saying that like bisexual people couldn't be attracted to trans people or something like that and only pansexual mm. people could i don't know but like yeah i think yeah big mouth definitely like i do think it did some things well but it was very hit or miss in that like i think mm -hmm. you're right in terms of it being a bit clumsy at times and like you know what they were trying to get across maybe didn't always come across um yeah but it's like <laughs> with sex education i feel like each episode really has like a very good message like this obviously isn't related to consent but one of the things that really stood out to me was when the mother like the sexual educator sex educator imagine if i could speak um <laughs> <laughs> um but when the mom kind of was talking to one of the girls when she was working at the school and she was kind of talking about how she felt like she wasn't complete and stuff because she didn't desire sex or anything like that. And then she was like, yeah, sex doesn't make you whole. So how could you ever be broken? And that was like one of, cause you don't really see kind of representation of kind of other sexual minority groups and stuff like that, like as eloquently and like as kind of 
well written as that so i really did i really do appreciate that show a lot because it does it's obviously like primarily for teenage audiences and they just Mm. really hit it well most of the time yeah no i totally agree um i think the the show special also does a good job of sort of dealing with sex in a quite a realistic way i don't think i've ever seen that (laughs) it's good it's this like semi-autobiographical show about uh, a gay man named ryan who has cerebral palsy and it just kind of talks about navigating sex and disability and relationships in a pretty realistic way, it seems like. Um, and there's actually some pretty good depictions of consent as well. There's a lot of asking, you know, can I do this in regards to a sex act? Um, and just, it's a fun show. It's a very queer show. I would definitely recommend it. So yeah, um, I guess there are some good depictions, but overall in the media, not great. Um, uh, but one thing we were talking about before is uh, navigating digital consent. I think nowadays a lot of consent happens digitally for people like on dating apps and things um and that i mean i can't think of any show or movie that that talks about that at all no neither like granted right now i really don't watch that many like tv shows yeah. or like films <laughs> like if i'm not working i'm like watching youtube because it's very brainless but like yeah like i feel like in my own experiences and stuff like that especially with like a new person it's really uncomfortable to kind of just be there like so what do you want to do <laughs> like yeah yeah it's so much easier to kind of like lay any kind of kinks lay kind of your own boundaries and stuff like that like out over text um because mm-hmm. there is that like physical barrier like you can't have someone like physically like looking at you which obviously draws like a lot of attention to you yeah um obviously like i think ideally if you're gonna do that you should kind of have like in person talks about it as well but like yeah doing one is better than doing absolutely nothing (laughs) so yeah yeah for sure and it depends on the person as well like some people might feel more comfortable talking about in person but i know for a lot of people it is just like a bit easier to kind of put yourself out there if you're on if you're on a dating app or if you're texting someone just because then if you say like oh i'm into this and they say oh like no i don't want to do that it's like a little bit less awkward and i think it's also easy for people to like put their boundaries out there like sometimes if you're in person there's a bit of pressure whereas like if you're just having an honest chat over text about what you like and what you don't like it maybe takes the pressure off of it a little bit because you're not like sat there face to face yeah for sure and i think it's also especially important for trans people just bringing it back to the whole trans thing um because there is also that kind of level of thinking about your own safety as well because yeah if you're say meeting like a cis person or something like that there could be a bit of a power dynamic and a lot of trans people tend to be justifiably so quite like worried about some kind of assault happening if something goes wrong um so being able to kind of when you're away from the person like you're not in close proximity being able to kind of lay out like one i'm trans mm-hmm. how is this happening or not yeah Two, um also just kind of being there like don't refer to my genitalia as x y and z don't touch x y and z because it causes mm-hmm. me to have dysphoria and stuff like that and then obviously if the person has like a negative reaction to anything like that the most that they can kind of do is like I mean, usually the most that they can only do is like kind of be a bit of a dick and then you can block them. Yeah. Yeah. Like where like something does happen very tragically, like in person mm-hmm. because of something like that. But um, yeah, I've had people kind of cuss me out on dating apps and stuff like that before. And I was like, okay, goodbye. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. yeah it's definitely like 
for the most part, a safer option, which is like really helpful, as you said, um, especially for trans people. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, like there just might be certain boundaries that trans people have that, you know, the other person isn't aware of. Um, Just like with anyone, I mean, everyone has different, maybe complicated relationships with their bodies. So like having the space online to kind of just like put that all out in the open. um, Yeah, it's pretty helpful. Yeah, for sure. And like, I just think it's a just especially important thing when there are kind of those power dynamics involved and things could go wrong. But okay, to kind of like round things out, I guess, like what kind of things do you think we could kind of like list to implement into like practice for people to kind of do? Um, Yeah, I think something, I mean, I think the biggest thing that, you know, we both believe in that I feel like kind of culminates this entire thing is that like, people think consent is unsexy, people think it's like weird, or that it breaks up the, you know, the natural movement of sex, but it like really is the complete opposite you know like it's you're making totally putting care like you're putting care into it and you're making sure your partner feels comfortable and so if you ask something like you know oh is it okay if i do this or is this feeling good or if you're texting someone and you say oh like what do you want me to call this part of your body like stuff like that it just i feel like it signals to people that you're actually trying to make this a good experience like i just consent is just so important and it's it it's not unsexy at all consent is very very sexy also yeah like tell me at one time when you've watched like a rom-com or something and like one of the protagonists has been like leaning in and then they go can i kiss you and there's like a few seconds <laughs> of like sexual tension there tell me that isn't hot <laughs> so like exactly consent is like a really sexy thing because as you say it shows that like you're caring and respecting of their boundaries you're not just kind Mm -hmm. of like taking something which like could be fun in a consensual way when you've Mm -hmm. already discussed that but like yeah it's just like i've never understood that kind of thing of just like it just needs to happen with no discussion before because i'm like build up the sexual tension a little bit buddy like yeah i just don't get how that could even happen as well i feel like there's always like i don't know there's so many discussions that need to be had maybe i'm just like an overthinker but i'm like i don't see how that could potentially just like without even like speaking a word to each other i don't get it you know (laughs) yeah whenever there's like a sex scene in a movie where there's just like no words spoken i'm like have the writers of this film like ever had sex i'm so confused (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah there's actually um there is a ted talk a ted talk that i watched a while ago talking about um like the whole baseball metaphor for sex like first base second base all that stuff and saying that we should switch it out for like a pizza metaphor because with like with baseball it is very much like one person is more active and one person is passive and it's almost like competitive because you're like against each other like trying to take bases whereas pizza it's like hey do you want to have pizza yeah okay cool what kind of pizza do you want to have like it's this sort of like collaborative conversation which i think is like a really fun way of thinking about it um yeah because yeah like it should be fun it should be collaborative like there's there's so many good things about that (laughs) that's also just kind of like how many slices do you want kind of exactly yeah i really like if you're full you can always yeah it's like if you're full you can always just stop eating like it's just you know yeah it's it's a good analogy um i'll find the link to the ted talk and i will post it somewhere so people can watch it (laughs) you can put it in like the show notes or something i don't know yeah yeah (laughs) um but like we kind of touched on it before but like just to kind of round out we can just go through kind of practical tips that people can go through for kind of Mm -hmm. gaining and maintaining consent um 
so as we said before there's obviously like the traffic light system like green yellow red do you want to have sex do you want to continue do you then like the yellow could kind of be communicated i think between the people for what that means for them exactly because it could just mean yeah. like i need like a five minute break or something like that or it could mm-hmm. be like i want to stop doing this but i want to just like do something else for a little bit or it could yeah. be like i need a breather um but mm-hmm. not necessarily like the scene or like sex is gonna just like stop um and then yeah. red would obviously be like stop the whole thing like i don't really want to continue anymore which is obviously completely fine and within your right to do yeah, for sure. It's really good to have that kind of thing in mind, the traffic light system, also the like the fries and the rack, um, you know, acronyms that we were talking about before. Just, you know, sort of have a think about those. It's not like, you know, you don't need to take notes. It doesn't have to be, you know, this <laughs> this sort of like school thing of like we're going to test you about the acronyms. But, you know, just sort of thinking about what consent means to you, what makes you feel comfortable yourself, because I think that's a big part of it as well. Like what makes me feel comfortable so how can I reflect that and how can I make sure that other people are feeling comfortable? Um, yeah, exactly. Obviously, there's other types of kind of consent that could happen where it's like nonverbal, we're not really able to, uh, maybe just don't want to <laughs> do kind of verbal consent during a scene. So that's obviously like doing stuff like a distinct number of hums or kind of tapping someone on the leg or something like that that kind of signals to them Um where you're at if you want to continue doing a scene or something like that yeah absolutely um and just kind of knowing yourself and knowing you know your partner if you're able if you know your partner well or if you're able to at least have a conversation beforehand just you know laying out those boundaries laying out um you know are you going to use the traffic light system are you going to have a safe word you know talking about those things beforehand can be really useful yeah i mean i think overall like sometimes consent is just a yes or a no but oftentimes there's more to it than that um and, you know, that can be a bit scary to some people, but that's why it's good to keep yourself informed, you know, just make sure that you're communicating, make sure that, you know, you're doing what's right for yourself and your partner. Um, and there really is no such thing as too much consent. If you're if you're worried that your partner isn't enjoying it, just ask. It's it's not hard. It's not going to ruin the mood. In fact, maybe the opposite. It's going to make sure everyone feels comfortable. Especially if you're in a relationship with someone like a long time, you've had like sex with them quite mm-hmm. a lot, you can kind of pick up on like little subtle cues, I think a lot easier of just kind of yeah. like, if it's really obvious that they're kind of like really in their head, they could be thinking about something where they're just like not really enjoying what's going on or something like that. Like with practice, you can kind of like, understand their body language maybe a little bit better and then like check in and obviously just like if anyone just seems uncomfortable just have a little check in see how they're doing yeah checking in is great we love checking in (laughs) well that was the first episode of the genderfuck podcast thank you so much for listening honestly dan and i really appreciate it we're newcomers to this whole podcasting thing so we're definitely still learning and we really just hope you enjoyed the episode let us know if you have any feedback or questions. You can find us on social media at genderfuckpod without the U, so that's G-E-N-D-E-R-F-C-K-P-O-D. We'll be posting a recap of the episode there as well as some other resources. Uh, Instagram or Twitter is also the best way to keep up to date on what we're doing. The next episode should be up in a couple weeks, and we'll be posting about that soon. But yeah, anyway, thank you so much for listening. I don't know what
colder next week, but we'll yeah, see. there's so much to talk about. <laughs> I know I could talk about sex forever. <laughs> so yeah. I guess I guess that's the point. That that's why we're doing this <laughs> to rant, yeah. get our feelings out. <laughs>